Smartcast. It's hard to fight a lifetime of living in the world and understand that there are people that are very much dedicated to a lifestyle that is engaged with the computer. We know that for a fact that, that there are millions of people that, that are completely engaged with, with computer technology and, and can, engaged with the world as they're seeing it through their computer. Hi, everybody. Happy Friday once again. This is June 3rd. It's our 108th consecutive community gathering. For those of you who are new to True and those of you who are just, you know, tuning in for the first time, we're a theater services organization. We actually, our mission is to help people understand the business of theater and to also specifically help producers and, and develop and nurture producers. So two years ago and two months ago, in March of 2020, something happened <laughs> in New York and everywhere. We had a pandemic and we went into shutdown and I suddenly realized that I didn't know how to actually continue doing what we do. I, I didn't know how to do my programs. And people started talking to me about Zoom. And I basically looked at them like they were crazy or talking Greek or something. But eventually somebody held my hand and, and walked me through Zoom and suggested that I start doing things on Zoom while the shutdown lasted. This shutdown, which was only going to last like a month or two, right? Uh, so it's a good thing I actually paid attention and did it because here we are two, two years and three months later, and we're just starting to come out of shutdown. I figured out how to do this all and opened up a Zoom room on Friday for my true members in my community and for people who I thought were going to be New York local members of True, but it turns out that they're from all over the country and all over the world. So we have kind of an international group going here. I'd never actually seen my company as being international, but it is now, thanks to Zoom, thanks to the pandemic. It was a one thing that came out of the pandemic that I think was positive and very lucky for us in some ways. So we've gone through the conversations about being alone and how do you create in a vacuum and how do you make theater happen when you can't have live performance we've had conversations about whether when you do theater on zoom is it still theater we've talked about all of this and much more and every week i managed to find really interesting people to come in and share their points of view and their knowledge with us and been very very blessed 108 times and today we're going to go off into a whole different area. We're going to talk about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, which right now I know about as much about NFTs as I knew about Zoom in March of 2020. So luckily I have Eric Neal with me and I want to introduce you to Eric because he's going to hold my hand and, and get me through this and, and help us understand all of this. And I think we're going to have to start really from some of the basics, including definitions. But first of all, Eric, why don't you tell us about yourself and your company? Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the, the time and you guys making space for me. It's great to, to meet all of you and I'm, I'm humbled to be here. I think it's, it's a great company. My name is Eric Neal. I'm the founder of Third Act and Third Act's on a mission to help theater adopt new technology and make sense of this wild Web3 world and enable productions to make their NFT debut. Okay, so let's start there then. Let's define NFT. First of all, explain what non-fungible means. 
it's non-fungible tokens, but non-fungible is, is a specific term that I think differentiates us from cryptocurrency and things. Yeah, absolutely. It stands for non-fungible token. And I know that's, it's such a clunky word. I don't know who named it, but they probably weren't in marketing, but the non-fungible nature of it just means that each individual item is unique unto itself. So where cryptocurrency is, or even traditional fiat currency is fungible, you can trade a $1 bill for a $1 bill, and there's no difference in even perceived value. Something that's non-fungible would be closer to a trading card where each instance or each card has its own serial number. So the first one that is printed has a, a higher perceived value than say the 10,000th one that's printed. So that's kind of in the digital world, the non-fungible side of it comes from a specific recognized or unique item. So that's, that's also similar to in the tangible world out here with like artwork, lithic, lithographs, exactly. they're all, they're all numbered. They're all unique. There are things that we have out here already that aren't in, not, aren't in the computer that are, I guess they're fungible though. I'm not sure. I guess they're non-fungible. I mean, if you had, yeah, to your point, if you had three pieces of physical artwork and they were each autographed and kind of had their serial number or edition number, they are unique unto themselves. So you probably wouldn't see people trading them one for one like they were currency. And that's where this new technology of blockchain enables us to have non-fungibility online because it's a public ledger that has authenticity and provenance to it. So you can assure that something is authentic and it has a, a unique recorded instance. Well, I'm going to jump to one of the questions that came up in the intros. Somebody talked about using NFTs to fund themselves. Is that doable? How would that work? I mean, I, I see it as a revenue stream. Mm -hmm. I, under, I understand it as a revenue stream. And we're going to talk about more of that and specifically about theater and how NFTs can become a revenue stream for theater. But it's not cryptocurrency. It's it's not Bitcoin. It's not things that are going to be able to translate into pr things that you need for your production or pay f pay for things. Will or, or does it? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think the the first thing you kind of have to make sure is you're choosing it for the right reasons. NFTs in general, it doesn't like NFT doesn't equal success. It's not the the gold at the end of the rainbow every single time. So. I think I would kind of look at it as it could be a potential kind of fundraising Kickstarter approach, but you'd really want to think about why you'd want to use NFTs over a traditional fundraising platform, for example. So NFTs allow people to kind of buy into a project for an extended period of time where it's, if you treat it more like membership, where you are giving exclusive perks and access to the people that buy the NFT, there's a better reason to kind of buy it and hold on to it. Okay. Let's try this again, because some of the people don't, don't get it. Can you define fungible and then non-fungible? Sure. Fungible. I, mean, you, I think go into a little bit more detail because you did it already, but I don't think people got it. Yeah, sure. So something that is fungible can be exchanged with one of its siblings, let's call it. So a stack of dollar bills are all fungible because you can trade one for another and there's no gain or loss of value. They're interchangeable. Non-fungible means there is a recorded instance or each one is truly unique. So you could not trade them. They're not fungible in the same sense because they have their own unique instance. Much like a trading card has serial one through 10, or I believe somebody put in the chat here that one of the Beatles albums had serial numbers on them. So those would each be unique. And that's different than just having a traditional fiat currency. So let me see if I can articulate this. When you have a stack of dollar bills, Yes, you can exchange them for for another stack of dollar bills, and it's a it's a one for it's an equal exchange. 
you also have a stack of dollar bills and you use them to pay for something. So how does the value of the NFT work for the person that owns it? Is it like having a, just a piece of artwork and you, and yeah, you're, and you're, you can trade it later? Yeah, I think we're, we're kind of dipping into some of my, my slides here, but I would say okay. that the NFT is, is a form of social currency. That's what it's more become today is it is like owning a nice piece of art or something that certifies that you believe in something or are part of something kind of like a membership or a badge of pride to show that you that you own it. And for somebody looking to raise funds for a show, you could pre-sell artwork from the show, whether it be show art or production photos, et cetera, as a means to fund production potentially. And can an NFT go up or down in value? That's a question from Dave Krakowski. Uh, absolutely. I, I, most of it would be perceived value though, because much like if a piece of art went on auction and you would have the record of history of how it was sold in the past. So it does have a bit of a, a record of its financial life. Just for the record, there are NFT pieces that have gone for $17 million. I mean, yep. there, there, as, there's, there are things that have as much perceived value as a live auction at Sotheby's. In fact, Sotheby's, I think, I think also auctions NFTs, yep. if I'm not mistaken. First of all, fungible, as Eric Rothman points out, just means interchangeable. Non-fungible means it's, it's unique. So when we think in terms of currency, we're going off into a kind of a, a different place. This isn't really currency. RK Green is this more like a commodity of social currency. Interesting way of putting it. Yeah, sort of. I think when you say commodity, it kind of, that to me kind of catches me, but a little bit, but it is a sort of product or a, a prop of social currency or a, rep, a marker of social currency. Anybody's still confused? Yes. Looking. Okay, so so Murray, ask, ask a question directly. Fine. My question that I sent you, what is it replacing and why would someone want to use them? What's the purpose of it? What is it replacing and why would somebody want to use it? It's a great question. I would say it's probably replacing a lot of potentially, we see NFTs as a hybrid between marketing and merchandise. So to have your show out there, the, the artwork, the branding, the name, being able to have that out in, in social media or on marketplaces has value to, to grow awareness. And then also some of the traditional merchandise that maybe is not as eco-friendly or as desirable today as, as it was in the past. So those are the kind of pieces that it might replace. I think eco-friendly eco is a huge selling point, I think. I think Definitely. That, that probably is one of the key motivating factors behind, behind creating this whole world of NFT. Absolutely. It, it doesn't leave a footprint. It does, there's no carbon footprint. What well, is that's it? a really big point of debate. Not all NFTs are created equally, and some leave a very large footprint. Oh, okay. So we'll talk about that. Is it a thing? It's not a physical thing. It is a, it is a digital instance. It, is, it exists on, in the digital world. Is it sort of like the barter system? It's not the barter system, no. No, and because you can use currency to pay for it. You can use either cryptocurrency or, in some cases, fiat currency as well. And again, we have to go back to the concept of perceived value. I think for me, the easiest connection to make is to the art world, to the physical yep. art world. You have pieces that are painted by people and some of them have perceived values of millions of dollars and some of them don't. And a lot of it is perceived value. A lot of it is somebody thinks that this is worth a lot of money. And so they want to own it as a point of pride. 
definitely the financial value is there. I think there's also a lot of it is emotional and, and sentimental value as well. I think the same, the same things with artwork. Absolutely. So I think we like to compare what we're building closer to the art world or trading card world, which have their own kind of economies and people want to own, you know, the, the trading card of their favorite player. And I see, Mary, you have your hand up as well, if you wanted to. Yeah. The, the, I... thing, the thing that that throws me is that in the, in the art world, I, and I have art, a Sotheby's or someone determines what something is worth. Okay. They, they, they're outsiders claiming what it is worth. So that gives you the the actual value of what you can can or not gain in terms of a sale. I'm missing this. I am sorry. I just, it's, I'm not clear about why it's needed, what it does. I understand marketing and, and merchandising very well. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how this fits in and what the benefit is. I'm going to take a stab at this, Eric, and you can, you can tell me if I'm really off base. Trying to just as we move no, from a, there's no silly questions. It's, it's, <laughs> just as we move from a live from a live world into a virtual world, and just as we have all been kicking and screaming about we don't like virtual, we don't want to, we don't like computers, we don't like living on a computer, we want to live in the real world. The computer does exist as a world, and and people inhabit this world. We're all involved and engaged with with our computers hours and hours every day. So within this world, this virtual world, somebody came up with the idea of creating artwork or cultural items that have that emotional value that you would have if you went into, into an art gallery, but you're, you're not in an art gallery. It's, it's just, we have to, re, we have to rethink our world. We have to re, remember that we do live in a, in a virtual world now. Am, am I completely off base? No, you're, you're right on. I think it's, it's a part of a growing trend where we are spending more time online, certainly the next generation as well from World of Warcraft to Fortnite to Roblox, where people are already buying things that they can only use within the computer or online in their games. The NFT is kind of sits in between a digital and, and real world where sometimes it can impact the real world, whether it be providing funds for a show or maybe being used as a ticket. And I'll kind of go into that in, in some of these slides. So Murray, you may not be convinced, but do you understand the concept? <laughs> That's I mean, I know you're not convinced. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I want to see the slides. I need something tangible. I'm a very visual person. I need. I yeah. Need... Can I, this is Robin. Can I add something that I think might be helpful here? Cause I totally get where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm doing some consulting work with third act, which is why I, thought this could be interesting for the group as well, because the reason I chose to get involved is because I think it can do a lot for shows, for actors, for writers, and examples of that would be, Mm -hmm. yes, there is some revenue stream, and Eric will talk to that, but what I think isn't really being shared here is the social media aspect. There are communities online that are devoted to NFTs, for example, one of them is called BFF. I mean, there's quite a lot, and Eric can be specific about this if he wants to, but if you were to go into communities like that, or even on Instagram, there are groups where people share about buying NFTs, loving NFTs, trading NFTs, and they're really huge. And this is a way for shows to generate buzz for themselves for individuals to create buzz and further conversation around whatever NFTs they generate. And it can also be tied back to shows. So for example, if a show decides to create some kind of NFT, you could even tie it to ticket sales if you wanted to be creative, like buy a ticket, 
get an NFT. It's, it's a way to offer a value added to fans who either exist or who you want to cultivate for your show. And that's, I think, a big piece of this from the marketing perspective is that aspect. And I just wanted to bring that into the room. So I, basically, the only thing I want, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Eric to go through his presentation. I'm sure that there's going to be lots of stuff that's going to explain things and maybe stuff that will confuse you too. But basically, it's the same cusp that we were on when we finally gave in and decided that, okay, we have to go into shutdown. We have to, we have to live, live on our computer. I have to do things virtually. I have to have my programs in Zoom. It's that same transition. It's hard to fight a lifetime of living in the world and understand that there are people that are very much dedicated to a lifestyle that is engaged with the computer. We know that for a fact that, that there are millions of people that, that are completely engaged with, with computer technology and, and can, engaged with the, the world as they're seeing it through their computer. We're seeing it through a computer right now because I'm talking to you through Zoom. So we have to understand that we're moving over another cusp from where we're used to having things physically in our hands that we could touch and smell and taste and we can feel the texture and all. And now there's a different aesthetic. Now there's the computer aesthetic and we have to, whether we like it or not, we do just have to accept that this is the way of the world now. This is a world that exists. It may not be the world that you wanna, wanna live in. What, okay, I see a question from Walter. I'm gonna take one question before I, before we finally get to your presentation. <laughs> Walter. Yeah, th thank you, Bob, for flushing this out. But I just want to say that I've been doing NFTs with my 10-year-old son. First of all, understand that it's all digital. It's not a thing. It's not a physical thing that's being traded. It is a digital image, which can be music, it can be a video, or it can be a picture, but it's, it's, it's a digital image of the real thing, whatever it is, or design. Okay, that's well, the, the real the real thing doesn't happen. You, you print it out in your in your computer, maybe you have a printout of it, but but it's still it's hard for us to it's hard for us to yeah, it, grasp it, the fact that it it exists in in the digital world. The yeah. second of all, say that you were at a, a game like the finals game. Do you know what I mean? And you managed to get four seconds of this amazing dunk shot. Do you know what I mean? By a player, and everyone was excited about that. Wow! How did you get that? That's somewhat with NS NFTs is that they feed on something that is unusual or hot. The great thing for artists is that you don't have to be great necessarily or famous to have something that people say, oh my God, that's amazing. Been torturing Eric enough at, at this point. Not at all. Go for it, go for it now. Okay. Uh, and basically we'll come back to the questions. We may, sure. we may have the yeah. same questions after we see all this or, or we may sure. understand it a little bit more. Okay, great. So I'm going to go through, there's kind of a few things in general. I'm going to go through kind of what's happening, what's going on to quote American Utopia. How did I get here? We'll go into some definitions and we'll talk about uses for theaters and use cases, practical uses for it. And then we can talk a little bit if we have some time with third act platform and we can give you some examples of some things we've done and how it, some specific examples of how we brought NFTs to life. And so, specifically in theater. Correct. Correct. So what we're seeing is that you guys kind of hit the nail on the head here that fans are changing. The world is changing. We're getting increasingly more digital, spending more time online 
And the, the real world and the digital world are colliding and they're finding new ways to coexist and inform each other. And there's a lot of opportunity in that. We see a lot of fun opportunities to be able to use because of this. And you see that through streaming platforms and shows adopting hybrid streamings and hybrid ways to watch. You're seeing stations be built around theatricals. You're seeing shows delve more into social media. You know, if you had to ask a show, if it was doing TikTok 10 years ago, it wouldn't have really existed, but now it's, it's on everybody's radar. Social media is an extension of the stage and the show truly doesn't begin only from curtain open to close. So we're seeing these new stages start to emerge and most of them are digital. And the, the latest one to the, the party are NFTs. And they're a really interesting centerpiece to this digital world because they are this digital collectible that fits with the experience that is becoming more and more digital. So a lot of NFTs are being adopted, are being adopted in a lot of different ways from, you know, AMC theaters to artists releasing albums as NFTs and creating art galleries, et cetera. NFTs have just caught on in, in quite a phenomenal way. Everybody's asking this question and it's a really important one, which is why are they so popular? And there's a few reasons why. One is they're new media. It's always exciting to have a new canvas to adopt and see how you can use it and explore new use cases. There are new potentials with it that did not exist with the traditional internet. The underlying technology is truly revolutionary. This is the blockchain technology. This is the technology that NFTs are traded on officially so that that undisputed record exists on the blockchain. Yeah, we're going to have to go back to blockchain at some point. I think that's a, that's Absolutely. a key, key concept. Absolutely. Another reason why it's so popular is there's been substantial investment over just last year alone. A lot of the hedge funds and VC firms are getting into this in one way or another. So there's been a lot of funds put into the space to, to build up ecosystems and, and use cases. That is $25 billion? Correct. Okay. Correct. Just, just want to point year. that out. Yep. And then lastly, it, it's being adopted across a lot of major brands from major sports to brands and along the bottom are just a few of the high profile ones who have launched an NFT in, in some way or another. And the, the exciting thing is they're all doing it in different ways. So McDonald's made an NFT of the McRib and they did it as a limited edition. NBA Top Shot made their whole market, their own marketplace and sell highlights as NFTs. There's a lot of different ways that you can create NFTs and, and utilize them. But the piece that I was pointing out a little bit earlier as well is that they're social currency. They are something that people want to own because there's emotional, sentimental value to it. It's closer to a trading card or, or a beautiful piece of art. We'll go into a couple definitions here. You know, you wanted to talk on about blockchain. We, can yeah. go, we kind of hashed out cryptocurrency a little bit and we can talk about some marketplaces. So a blockchain is a network. Anything that's made on blockchain, people will say that is made on Web3. And a blockchain is, the power of blockchain is really in it being a distributed public ledger. So this means it's, distributed in many places, the same ledger, the same record of transactions are distributed in many places and it's public. So anybody can see it. So if you as a theater maker or a true authenticator or originator of a, of a piece of work, put a piece of content on the blockchain and you can certify that it's from you, it can be authentic and traded and have its instances, which make it an NFT. So this is kind of digital auditing tech that gives the provenance to the NFTs. The next definition here is cryptocurrency that we kind of touched on. This is digital currency. It's the digital currency or the cryptocurrency like we discussed is fungible. This is interchangeable. You could trade two Bitcoin for two Bitcoin and it is the same thing. And that's how it differs from an NFT. I want to jump in for a second because yeah, crypto 
crypto cryptocurrency is, has terrified some people because hasn't there, hasn't there been a recent crash in the cryptocurrency market? I, I think it's it's not exclusive to the crypto market, but yes, I think the whole market is kind of reeling a little bit. So cryptocurrency, well, it's close it's, it's closer to what we're what we're used to. A lot of us still don't understand how you can actually use cryptocurrency to pay for things. It's bewildering to a lot to, to a lot of us older people. Can you explain recently what happened to cryptocurrency? Because it's it's top of mind for me. I've I heard stories about a cr a crash. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the whole market has has been down the the past little bit in crypto. But does but does the cryptocurrency market affect the NFT market, or are they separate? We we see them as separate because we're again, it's trading cards. Not it depends what they're built on. But no, it, it, this is where we're really getting into details that are tricky. I would say that no, the NFT market is not as affected by the crypto crash as say cryptocurrency itself, because an NFT is not listed like it has a public value, like Ethereum is one Ethereum is worth $2,000 and that fluctuates based on market perception. One NFT would not be listed on a stock ticker in the same way. There could be less liquid in the market to purchase things if there's a crash, but the NFT itself is not listed in the same kind of stock ticker way. And the other thing that I think is, that is important is that NFTs are, like we said, they're non-fungible, so they're unique. Each one is unique. Cryptocurrency is not unique. There's nothing unique about it. One Bitcoin is the same as another Bitcoin. Great. The third definition here is a marketplace. This is a platform where people can buy and sell NFTs. They can be general or niche. So they could be, you know, anything under the sun, or they could be really specific like NBA Top Shot just for, for basketball. These marketplaces typically charge commissions on sales. And that's where NFT traders find their, their next kind of favorite pieces of art and trade. This is the second and final definition slide, and then we'll keep rolling. So this is the next phase of definitions here. So you'll hear people say minting a lot in the NFT world. I minted NFTs. I just minted 20 NFTs. This is the act of creating an NFT and having it recognized on the blockchain. So when it's minted, it is put on the blockchain. It is available for review on the public ledger. The next definition here is gas. And I'm this is- I wanna go back to minting for a second. Sure. Can, yeah. can, can, can anyone mint mint something or does it does it require some sort of special license no it will cost a gas fee so it will cost a fee to put it on the blockchain anybody can typically marketplaces will have some kind of a an easy portal to be able to mint and so gas that is the the transaction or the minting fee that is associated with putting an nft on the marketplace or paying to transact an nft this is used to compensate the nodes, all the different computers that have the ledger on them to update the ledger with the transaction. Is this correct used to compensate miners or is it minters? Miners is correct. The term, miners. all of the nodes that make up a blockchain, all of the computer nodes that are verifying and recording the transactions are referred to as miners. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is sort of exploding. Go on. And the last piece here is that all equates to environmental impact, which is blockchains require these networks of, of miners to verify the transactions and can require significant computing power. So that's kind of, those are all the definitions there. Those are what you'll kind of hear me reuse later in the presentation, but want to make sure we all have some common definitions. 
Yeah, I, I think that what was missing for me was the definition of miners. That sort of popped up and it was like, where did that come from? Okay. That's fair, yeah. Those are the nodes that are referenced in the next one there. I guess I could add another tab in the next the next version of this. Those are the computers that are verifying the transactions. See, when you when you know so much, you you assume that other people I know, I know. I say, well, I just get yeah, I get too familiar with it, maybe. So then let's take it back into some more practical use cases. What does this mean for us? What does it mean for theater? What does it mean for the world? You know, how, what are some examples of how we can use it and why it matters? One is, as I mentioned before, it being non-fungible means it's truly unique. So you can make unique pieces of art that have recorded instances. So if you make one beautiful piece of artwork, if you put it up on Instagram, anybody can take it. Who knows who owns it anymore? If you put it onto the blockchain and it's you can you know attest that it's yours, you have attributed a certain amount of instances or, or quantity to the amount of pieces, and those become official. Well, Catherine Keats asks a question that's sort of related to that: Can a successful TikTok share become an NFT? But you you just said once you put it on the on social media, then you know there, it's it's lost its u- uniqueness. It no longer has. I mean, it's the, it's, 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 it's provenance. It's, it's provenance is what it lost. I mean, you could still mint it. It still could be available for purchase if you, if you wanted to. You could try to use social media to, again, drive perceived value and hype and buzz around it, kind of what Robin had mentioned earlier, and you could mint them. Yes, it's all kind of around perceived value there. The second piece here is enhancing real-world experiences. So you could add 1,000 NFTs to the first 1,000 people who, who buy a ticket to the show. You could have experiences that can be accessible via the NFT. So if you show up with the NFT at the door, there's the behind the scenes or meet the cast after the show, for example. You can use the NFT again as that social currency to give access and drive incentives for around a theatrical performance. I see another question that, that, that I missed. Matt B wants to know, can you incorporate something physical like a 3D holographic monitor? He has a link to them. They're just, they're just holograms. Can an NFT be a hologram? Because it's, this sounds like they're in two different worlds. Hologram would be would be out here in this world, an image that 3D image that that seems like an actual something, but it's just light. Light is not necessarily an element of the it, pixels are the elements that that comprise the NFTs. So the the I NFT think. is it can be any kind of digital media. So if there were some kind of a, a holographic file. Yes, you could you could mint that. I'm not as familiar with holograms and, and how that works, so I can't be too specific there. Oh, I'm just I'm just looking for any other questions. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't know if there was more. Okay, Eric Rothman is just re- redefining oh. things. Oh, Scott Sublet says, "Can I share the NFT with anyone I please? If you if you have if you own an NFT, can you share it with other people? Can you show them your your NFT? Look Absolutely. At, look at look at what I own." Absolutely. Yeah. We, we encourage that. Yeah. You can have your profile set up and it can show your wares. You can show them or hide them, whichever you prefer. It's much like art in your home. The third kind of example here is digital access. So with Third Act and in some other marketplaces as well, you can allow people to have access to certain pages on the website if they own a certain NFT. So effectively creating a digital backstage. So if you wanted to create unique or exclusive content for your fans or for people that you want to involve with your show, you could say buy the NFT and get access to you know, the digital backstage. Matt B says, what's to stop people from just forging and duplicating a file and saying they own it? I think that goes yeah. back that goes back to the the whole process, which is basically it has it has a, a recorded provenance 
so somebody can pretend that they that they own it and they can pretend to steal it from you but they can't prove that it's that it's really their unique nft correct i think the same kind of threats of of counterfeit apply here that would apply with a really good fake of art just if it were taken and duplicated and resold, you have the same kind of rights to, to pursue action against somebody who might do that as you would if they were forging traditional art. The last piece here is, you know, the I was there, this, this proof of attendance kind of badge of, of being at an event. I think with the digital world, again, being more and more prominent, a digital take-home is even more fitting to have. So you could go to a digital event and have a digital take-home like an NFT, that would be a great badge to say I was there. And they call, this is another definition here, they call this proof of attendance protocol or a POAP is what they call them. But it basically just means an NFT that you got because you attended an event. I missed a question from Jeffrey Lyle Siegel. Brian Stokes Mitchell licensed his, Im his image as an NFT. It's like a cartoon caricature. How does he profit from that? Or does he profit from that? Yes, actually we did that. So we worked with Atomic Focus Entertainment who has a close relationship with him. And he granted us the rights to create an NFT in his image and shared in the royalties and sale of that NFT. Or I believe he, but he was allowed to, he forewent that and it went to the Actors Fund. Which is no, it's, which is no longer called the Actors Fund. I can't Correct. remember what it's called. Correct, the Community Engagement Fund. Entertainment. Entertainment, Community Entertainment Fund, yes. Fund, yeah. So. If you created an image of, of Brian Stokes Mitchell, was it a single image or was it a limited edition of 10 or 20 or how, how many, how many of them would you, would you normally create? We made three. We made, three. we just wanted to make a very small kind of test of, of the concept and, and make three in his image. And so what happens was that a collector, an NFT collector found out about this and said, oh, this is cool. I love Brian Stokes Mitchell. I want that image. And so they do they bid on it or does it have a price on it already it was it was purchased for 50 dollars. okay yep so that again was a small test to, to see and well good how lucky that you're the person that created it yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely happy to talk more about how that came to be as well i, I have it in a later slide if you want to go through it I, I think i took focus away from the i was there because i think the i was there is is very crucial for the theater business yeah, I think so. And I think with the hybrid world as well, where you're probably not going to mail them something, it's the equivalent of a take-home that you could get through kind of like an email. So it's a great badge to say that you attended something. I see that as a very useful tool. I understand that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the next piece is here. So these are the benefits. So we talked about the tactical ways or the kind of the meaning behind or significance behind NFTs and what they can, how they can apply to theater. And these are the benefits. So you can engage fans in a whole new way. Kind of what Robin had mentioned earlier around being able to build buzz, being able to put them into communities where people might be excited about or have fans around an existing show and have a new thing to engage an audience around. You can expand your reach because there is a large and growing crypto audience who are just sometimes purely interested in NFTs. And so you could get your show exposure to the kind of crypto future digital folks that might not have seen your show otherwise. I have a question about that. Yeah. What is the smartest strategy for using an NFT to engage fans? A single NFT that is like everybody's gonna want or do you do multiple NFTs? Is there a limit to how many things that you want to do? Do you, do you water it down if you do too many? 
Yeah, that's, there's another term there for that, which is called tokenomics. And that is basically yeah, how much, how many should we make, how much should they sell for. And it's a little bit more of an art than a science at this point. But what we like to do is make at least three different NFTs, three categories of them. One that's very accessible, that's generally given to people when they attend. So if that's all they want, that kind of satisfies that I was there desire. The middle range NFT that has kind of a limited amount and maybe a low price point, and then maybe you try one or two unique ones that have a higher price tag. Both Jane Dubin and RK Green are asking variations of the same question, which is how, how much did it cost to make Brian's NFT? It wasn't for auction, it had a price on it. Correct. So that what, one, what, what, is the, what is the financial out, outlay to actually create an NFT? Yeah, so to create an NFT, there are, again, there are three ways that you can, you can create them. You can upload your own artwork. If you have your artwork ready to go, there's no cost to make it. If you need it made, we have an NFT studio, designers and, and renderers and animators that can assist with that. And that varies depending on how complex the piece is. So Brian's, we, we were working with kind of in kind because it was for charity and for a test. So there wasn't a huge price tag associated with that. But again, it kind of depends on the complexity of the artwork itself. So we're basically talking about artwork now. So it, 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 it's, it's not, it's not mugs. It's not, it's not uh, a sculpture. It's, it's probably a poster of some sort that represents the show. Correct. And I have some of those examples later as well. Okay. And the last piece as well is, you know, which has been quite a focus of this conversation, which is new revenue streams. This is a commercial product, so it can generate that. And a key thing to, to note as well is that royalties can be programmed into the NFT. So you can program royalties into it. So if it trades or somebody sells it after the fact, royalties are automatically distributed to the parties that you wish as, when you minted it. Programmed. That's a useful term. I think that that actually clears up some of the methodology for, for, for me at least. So things are programmed. Yeah, absolutely. So for, for the example with Brian's NFT, there are 10% of the royalties are going back to Atomic Focus, 10% are going to the platform of Third Act. And those royalties are enforced in perpetuity. So they could trade 10 years from now, they could trade 100 times over the next 10 days, it could trade however many times, and those royalties continue. I hate to even ask this, but can somebody hack into the program and steal your NFT? Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Just like you could with any website or any kind of digital platform. The, the thing I would say there is, you know, there have been some instances and if you kind of do your research, you'll see there are stories of people getting fized is usually the, the, the case where they've get, gotten hacked and lost their NFTs or, or lost access to their wallets. But I think the same risks apply for cryptocurrency and NFTs that would with anywhere on the internet. So somebody like LinkedIn has a data breach and these things kind of are the risk that comes with uh, the internet and digital in general. Okay. Well, keep going. We're, we're st I'm still with you. Um, basically, if anybody's really lost or confused, now's the time to raise a, raise a virtual hand and let us know, or, or we can just keep yeah. moving forward. Okay, great. Okay. Um, this is here. The last few things are a little bit about us and then some examples of some pieces that we've made. So third act is, is consciously made. We, we've really built it with a great intention and thought and care. And we've taken the environment in, in mind, creators and fans. 
And so on the eco-friendly side, we're built on Hedera Hashgraph. That is our blockchain technology that we're built on top of. That's what it's called. So Ethereum is one, Bitcoin is one, Hedera is another. And we chose it because it is a carbon negative chain. It's carbon neutral without buying offsets. And they, on top of that, buy offsets to make themselves carbon negative. So they don't buy offsets to make themselves neutral. They are truly green. So you actually raised concerns that many of us didn't know that we had. Explain to us how something computer generated in, in, in the virtual world can have a carbon footprint. Yes. So that was in some of the earlier definitions where we have environmental impact due to how the miners are confirming transactions that can require a lot of energy. And this is kind of going to go into more definitions. So I want to make sure I don't go too far in the deep end here. Hedera Hashgraph uses what they call a, I'm going to go into the deep end here, a proof of stake model that uses far less energy is kind of the, the bottom line of it than traditional blockchain methods, which is proof of work. Okay, I think that's that's out of my pay grade for the follow up. <laughs> that's that's really out, outside my pay grade. Really, I'm like, whoa. All right, let's see. Dave Krakowski wants to know: Can you mint a demo MP3 and share revenue with the singer? Absolutely. Yep, you can program individuals, production LLCs, a writer, a performer. You could pr program those people into the royalties. Yes. And let's see. June, June says. My son is an animator for Titmouse and they join forces with Magic Machine based on an Ethereum blockchain. So it's a new way to tell the animation company's story. Yes. That's a question. <laughs> uh, what, what is, is this a Jewish question? So is it a new way to tell animation company's story? Yes, it's a Jewish question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I guess my son is doing NFTs. He's an animator. Oh, amazing. I had no idea that they were doing this. I went and looked at Titmas and there it was. I was like, oh my goodness. So, wow. That's amazing. Ooh. Very cool. We'll have him as a guest next week. Yeah, you want him as a guest? He <laughs> Adult Swim and Disney, they do all those cartoons. <laughs> okay, and Eric, Eric Rothman, do you want to ask your, your questions? Because they're, they're, they're beyond me. Okay, well, this is a general question. There's a lot of aspects to the NFT business. So the first part of the question is, which parts do you actually participate in or are you expert in? And the second part of the question is, what is your background and what's the company's background and how big is it? Great questions. I, I listed some things that it could be doing. You could be working with producers for strategies to create yep. NFTs. Well, let's let's, could, not go, let's not go through your list. Eric will tell you. Well, Eric goes, will go through his list. I can go through. I see. I got your question here. I can okay. Do, okay. Okay. So yeah, we are a marketplace and a service. So we can be as hands-off or as helpful and kind of in the details with a feeder maker as they want. We initially started and launched this company as a marketplace alone, just a place where theater can come and create. We very quickly realized that a lot of theater makers didn't have the bandwidth and the education wasn't there for enough understanding to do it yourself. So that's where we started to bring artists and consultants in, in house that can help plan out your collection. What should it look like? What should it be? How many of them should there be? What should you charge? What's the rollout plan? How do we market this to people? What communities are we engaging with? Are we doing drops to the cast? So all of those questions we help with as kind of a, a creative thought partner. 
And then we go through the creative production process, which is producing the media file itself, and then right through to minting. And it, like I mentioned, we can be as involved as, as need be. So some shows that we're talking to need to just want to outsource this completely and really need our help. Other people are ready to go and they kind of go, I want to do my show artwork these three ways, and this is what I want to do. So you work on the sort of the client side. You're not, do you work on the sell side of marketing and actually doing the selling or do you do other, use other people like OpenSea or something like that? No, we are our own marketplace. So we are our own marketplace built on Hedera Hashgraph where NFTs are listed and exchanged. What's your background? My background is I am, I would say a creator in theater. I am an entrepreneur who has founded an ad agency previous to this that still operates in New York, about 15 people. I've been a co-pro on, on Broadway for Burn This a few years ago and involved with a lot of theater marketing on Off-Broadway and, and West End. And this company was founded just over a year ago. I think we're a few weeks after our one year and was founded out of that agency. And I have since moved to, to work on it full-time for just about a year now. Yeah, that's kind of the... Do you do, do, you do the legal work? It's involved in the smart contract. Not, not personally, but we have great lawyers, IP lawyers. That was some of the first people I spoke to about this. And I think I see another question about IP here as well that I do want to speak to. But we have contracts uh, with IP from written lawyers that can obviously be tailored to each specific instance because every show is a little bit different. And we have base templates that we can tailor for anybody's needs. And I think to answer Catherine's question, artists do keep their rights. So buying an NFT does not necessarily give you the rights to reproduce the work or use it in any other form, much like buying a coffee mug from a show with a show logo on it does not give you the rights to the show itself. Let's get back to this, this page that we have up so we can, we're having all the conversation that I was going to have afterwards. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, sure. Uh, the next piece here is we are creator friendly. So we have, as I mentioned, an in-house studio that can help with the creation and minting of the NFTs. And we have royalties, as I mentioned, that are programmed into these things that automatically go back to the, the productions. And that goes right into their third account, which they can withdraw at any time to a bank account. The last piece here is we are fan friendly. So we work really hard to make this Web3 world more backwards compatible. We support credit card. We've integrated and partnered with Stripe, which is a very secure, large credit card payment system. They power pretty much every Shopify website and that's who handles the credit card payments. So we have no eyes on that are not involved with the credit card at all. And that allows us to list all the NFTs in USD pricing. So it's all familiar pricing. You don't have to do any math on what's the conversion and whatnot. So that makes it very easy for fans. I guess let's move on because we're, it's almost at 630 and I, I... <laughs> I want okay. I want I want to talk to you. <laughs> sure, yeah. I can you know these are I just kind of went through this. These are a few more examples of some pieces that we've made. This is the Brian Stokes, how this came to be, actually rendering it in an animation program and, and rendering those out. And then in addition to creating kind of videos on the top left there that was pulled from crossovers live. I can talk about that a little bit later. And the bottom right was also rendered in-house. The eco-friendly is, is really important to us. This is Hydera hash graph there in, in the blue compared to... Um, oh, I know I know what I wanted to... I wanted to go back to a term. You've been saying Web3, and I don't think people are necessarily knowing what Web3 means. So sure. can, can you explain Web3? Yeah, so Web1 is the original internet. It's buying things online. It's e-commerce. Web2 is really the proliferation of social media. 
and that wave of thinking about the internet and culture. And Web3 is this introduction of blockchain and ownership on the internet and ownership of digital assets. So this is not a term that describes a different technology. This is this is a the category. Yeah. This is the state the stage three of the technology. We know how to work on stage one, we know how to work in stage two. Now we're entering stage three, and this is how this world is going to be used by us and how we're going to engage with this world. Yep, this absolutely. Computer world, this digital world. Yep. Yep, the third wave. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, again, we're, we're proud to say that we're built on Hedera Hashgraph, which is an incredibly green and clean network. Not only are they more efficient than these other chains, they also do things like put money up to fund eco-friendly projects that use their chain. Uh, where, does, where does Hedera come from? Who, who's, who owns it? Where, uh, where's, where's it? What's its point of origin? That it's a European company is actually where it's based out of. I'd have to check where it is. They have a very large governing council that has a lot of large companies that are running nodes and involved with them. And all the minutes to their meetings are published publicly. So companies like Google, T-Mobile, Boeing, IBM, Ubisoft just signed with them. Those are a few of their kind of governing council members. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> Great. Last piece I mentioned here as well, fan-friendly. So this is specific to third act. We made it really easy to sign up with email, social, whatever you want to get involved and make an account. We're credit card enabled via Stripe and we list everything in USD prices. So it's a very familiar kind of e-commerce experience. Here that all are. comes together to, to make us third act worth eater collects. I have examples of specific things we've made in the past, but I think it'd be a great time to take a beat and if people had questions. No, people were asking to see specific things. Oh, okay. Made. That's right. that's come up come up in there. So here's an example from Herding Cats, and these are screenshots of the, the two ends, the bookends here are animated. You can see them on the website, thirdact.digital. And this takes you through an example of how we approached merchandising for a show. So Herding Cats performed live in the Soho Theater in London, and it was also streamed online as well. So it was a really progressive show, and it was a great fit for NFTs. We created an NFT on the left here that was a ticket for everybody who attended. So we emailed them after the show and they could redeem it. That was created originally in-house. It has an animation to it. We used the show art to create an NFT. And then we also created some unique show art. So we deconstructed the art and made different versions. So if you liked the Greg one more than the Jassa, more than the Sophie, you could, you had the choice to collect the ones that you truly wanted. And then lastly was a custom NFT, the piece at the end where we produced this headset that animates as well and was made from an icon in the show. So the character has a call with another character that's across the pond. And he wears this very recognizable pink headset. And so we made that into a, like an NFT. Another example here, these again are stills on, on the platform. They are, they're rotating. So we made, you know, the Stokes NFTs, these one of ones in three different poses. We did research on how they should look and pulled everything from when he was singing at his balcony window to when he was at award shows and pick some poses that we felt were very ceremonious and, and inspiring and, and in his, his likeness. The next one here is from a show that Brian hosted, a talk show with his friends and colleagues called Crossovers Live that was streamed live in New York. And we did a similar kind of approach to the tokenomics of these NFTs. So on the left there, we had an NFT that flipped over and had his signature kind of animate in. Those were issued to everybody that attended. In the middle here, we have a digital poster of what was actually a physical poster, but we were able to give it to more people that couldn't get the physical one live. So this 
animates and rolls out and shows the poster. They all have a sound icon on them. So do, do they have sound attached to it? These actually just the show logo does. Oh. Excuse me. The other ones do not. Uh, and the quotable moments do. The show logo was something, again, created completely unique for the show. It has the logo animating in all really fun different ways, some really jazzy music that was in line with the theme song of the show. And then the last one were quotable moments. So in the talk show, the the guests had you know really long 45-minute talks about their life, their careers, what it was like going through the artist's journey. And there were some really great quotes that we also, and, and to the point earlier, were shared on social, and we put them out as NFTs from the show afterwards as well. And some of these things sold as well. So those were used as there were videos. It starts as the logo, they open up, it says the person's quote, and it zooms back into the logo. And then lastly, this is our most recent collection or debut that we, we made, which was with the public theater. They wanted to do something special for their gala on the green, the 60th anniversary of Shakespeare in the park. And so they were auctioning a lot of different things. They were selling a lot of different things and they wanted to do an NFT. And so this was their first NFT as an organization. And that auctioned on, on another platform called GiveSmart where they were hosting everything. And the winner of the, the auction won this NFT along with a digital frame that houses the animated artwork. And that is everything. I hope that helped. I hope it simplified. I hope you feel a little more informed. David Krakowski asks whether equity has weighed in on NFTs yet. And I don't see how they possibly can. It's the same thing as we, as we talk about with Zoom readings versus live readings. Equity doesn't have any say in things that are not created live. And even if these are images of live performances, I don't, I don't see that. I don't see that as being an equity concern. Oh, I have a question for you. Yep. If I collect NFTs, where do I keep them? Do I just keep them in a folder on my desk, desktop? They're stored on the blockchain. They're stored on the network. I have access to the blockchain that other people might not have. Correct. You would have, I mean, you would have your, effectively your wallet where they're stored. This gets into a little yeah. bit more of the details. <laughs> Let me, sorry, I was distracted by the video. So they're stored right now on Third Act. So you go there and that's your hub for where your, your collection is going to be stored. When you make an account, you're issued a wallet, and that's what stores all your NFTs. Those are yours. You have your own password. We can't, you know, we have no eyes on that password and cannot reset it. So that's how you truly have ownership of your, your NFTs there. Okay, let's come back into the room. Okay, cool. now, now, we're, now we're here. Are there any, let's see if there are other questions. Oh, yeah. Jeffrey Lyle Siegel wants to know, do you foresee selling cast albums as NFTs? That seems to be a um, conflict yeah. there. I think as long as it comes from music is tough, the rights are even tougher, I, I find, but I could see it for sure. I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't opened up for, yet for everybody. Okay. I guess we are going to have to end now because it's 640. Can you stay a little okay. while so people can actually talk yeah, to I'm, you? Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm so sorry if I went over. I, I really hope. Uh, oh, no, no. If, you, if, if anybody's fallen to mine, I just kept asking questions and trying to dig into some of the def definitions. It's a new space. There are, there are supposed to be a lot of questions. There's supposed to be skepticism. I, I love it all. I think it's going to get us to a really great place. So I'm happy to stay on for a little bit longer if anybody can stay longer. Sorry if I kept anybody long, but thank you so much for the, the time and space to talk about this. I, I do want to go into one question. Eric Rothman says, in, the, in these examples, who paid whom, how much? What did the show pay? What did the people pay the show? So who's making the money off of that? The, I see that they're $15, they're $50. They're, I mean, we're not talking millions of dollars at, at this point. We're talking about right. uh, 
we we see the pricing kind of comparable to uh, kind of theater merchandise traditionally, unless you're going to go for a very unique kind of one of one. And yeah, I mean, it, you, you kind of get into specifics. It's very tough to give exclusively pricing to things because it kind of depends on what the creative asset is. So if you have something in mind, I'm happy to talk about it kind of one-on-one, -on -one, but it, it depends if you need creative production resources, if you need help minting, it's scalable to your needs. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to do the ritual. Thank you. Thank you, Eric Neal, for being with us today. And Expanding my understanding, I mean, I, I admit my brain is a little bit <laughs> soft from this, but I, I do think that I understand the basic concepts. I think you, were, you, know, you gave a very good and clear presentation, I, so I appreciate it very much. If you want to be part of the community and ask questions and be here with when we're actually recording this, email me at trunltd at aol.com, trunltd at aol.com. We'll put you on the Zoom list and we can invite you every week so you can be part of the community. Thank you everyone who's, been, who's here today. Thank you for being part of True and part of the True community. I appreciate it very much. And we do this for free. <laughs> you know this. We do this for free, but <laughs> they would be nice if, if anybody wants to support us with a donation. It's TrueDonate, T-R-U-Donate.com. That's T-R-U-Donate.com. And join us next week. We're going to talk a little bit about politics and art. We're going to go into one of my big gripes, which is why politicians never talk about art as one of the things that is important in our country and, and in our culture. Very rarely do I hear it, how all of us can find ways to mingle the personal and the, and the political and be useful and productive and make change happen. Because Lord knows we need change right now. This, this world is a mess, one big mess, anywhere you look. So thank you for being with us, everyone, and join us next week. We need to talk about something. We need to talk about something. We need to talk about anything at all. Hey, guys. It's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, all in the Spanish remixes out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baclaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric acid. Electric acid.